there were three kids that were bugging their mom about getting a puppy for the family, and she didn't want to get one because she knew that it meant she was going to have an extra job around the house. But you know how kids are. They just kept on, kept on, kept on, until mom finally consented and, and gave in to buy this little puppy for them. And they all promised that they would do their job, they would clean its bed, they would take care of its food and all of that. And so when they brought the puppy home, they decided to name him Danny. And um, so little Danny starts making his way around the house, and in a few days, Mom noticed that the kids weren't keeping up their end of the bargain, that they weren't taking care of the dog, they weren't feeding him, and and just what she thought, it was going to fall right back on her shoulders. And so... She, she came to him one day and she said, you know what, kids, you haven't kept up your end of the bargain. We're going to get rid of the dog. And they all just went uh, you know, on about their business. And she was kind of shocked that there was no greater reaction when she said they were going to get rid of Danny. And uh, one of them just said kind of matter-of-factly, well, we'll miss him. And another one said, but Mom, you know, if, if he didn't eat so much and he didn't make such a big mess, could we still keep him? She says, no, he's going. And then all of a sudden it dawned on those kids <clears throat> that she wasn't saying daddy, she was saying Danny. <clears throat> so we're not getting rid of any dads today. We want to celebrate our fathers, our dads. If your dad is not present, um, I hope that you have good memories. If not, uh, I pray that God would give you a good father figure in your life where you would have something to celebrate. I do want to say thank you to all of the good men of our church. I, I, uh, I know that I would not be here today and I could not do what I do if it has not been for a group of great men. And I love all of our elders. And this up here was awesome. I, I'm thankful for men who were willing to give it a try. If you have your Bibles for a few moments, I want to take you to the Old Testament writings of 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I am I'm going to go to a very, uh, a very difficult passage of Scripture for some people because it's just a lot of history and some people don't enjoy history, but something powerful about this particular portion that got a hold of me a few days ago and um, actually a few months ago. And I'd just like to share it with you before we leave here today. Second Samuel chapter 23. And I would like to begin reading with verse number 20. Now, this chapter is the last words of David before he passed away. And he is recounting many of the things of his life. But what comes to mind are the mighty men that had surrounded him, that had come to his aid, that had been faithful to him. And he goes through a list of them and names their exploits. And then he comes down to verse 20 and he says this, <clears throat> And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, a son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, 
historians say he was a giant. The word goodly should actually be rendered giant. He was a giant of a man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, and he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. He was more honorable than the thirty, but he attained not to the first three, and David set him over his guard. And I have one question this morning. The subject that I'd like to speak from for a few moments is there a Benaiah in the house. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> to all of our men and fathers today, I again say thank you for being who you are. We live in a world that <clears throat> is drastically changed from when I was just a young person. Um, and there are a lot of men who hold the position of father but do not practice fatherhood very well. And I have, over the last year or so, I have been reading books, uh, business-type books that relate to how our minds are being manipulated and they are being reprogrammed by the suggestions and the certain type of uh, advertisements that are made to make us more conducive to buying into the idea that's being presented. Things that we would normally react against and we would oppose. They have learned the power of words and so now they are couching all of what they're trying to get me to accept within words that are more palatable for me, that I, I would not be as offended by. And over a period of time, not a day, not a week, but over a period of time, them continually using the same terminology and, and, and working on the psychology of mind, they are able to bring us to a point where we now accept a lot of things not perhaps as normal, but as just part of our culture and our society. I read recently that PetSmart, one of the large uh, chains in America that supplies only dog and cat and animal provisions, they are <clears throat> one of the largest fundraising <clears throat> companies in America, and they have raised for charity countless millions. I, I don't remember the exact amount, but they have done it through a process of when you check out. Anybody ever go to PetSmart? You check out, you run your card through, and what pops up? An opportunity for you to give today to a charity. $1, $2, $5, $10, or no. Now, I, I'm kind of the, like the guy that always says no. I never do. But I was shocked at how many millions and millions of dollars are coming in to PetSmart's coffers for charity through that program of just suggesting, of just putting it before your mind. And after a while, you become more and more conditioned to it. 
rather than sending you a bill, they make a, a suggestion. You could give this amount. And so in a process of, of, of time, more and more things are coming into our lives and culture by the means of that, the suggestive word or the, the, the posed thought that perhaps before would have given a no for an answer, but because they continually and conveniently put it before you, the, the walls come down and after a while people begin to think, well, you know, it won't hurt for me to give a dollar or two dollars and so forth. And so there's a lot of money that is generated by the power of suggestion. And so it is uh, so many other areas of our world. Our culture is being redefined right now. Our world is being reshaped. The ideologies that made America great, uh, they are being taken down one by one and through a process of time, other things that we would not have tolerated or accepted are being ushered into the mainstream of life, and we are accepting that. And one of the things that's happening in our culture is the downgrade of man. If you are a person who watches television and you are anywhere up on the latest television programs, you will find it to be true that most often nowadays the man is portrayed as something other than what we have thought of him being in the past. And so there is a consistent portrayal of this other character that is being pushed into our culture. And this man is the man according to the world now. He is a man who is portrayed as uh, being many times uh, uh, oblivious or uh, troubled or deranged or a slacker or uncaring or lazy or incompetent or stupid. And it's presented in a humorous way so that we laugh our way through the episode, if that's what you watch But the fact is what is being done subliminally to the mind is a lowering of what the expectation of man is supposed to be. And so now the world, the man according to this world is being portrayed slowly as a man who is disconnected, a man who has no clue. And it is, this is not my doing, but according to the experts, the expectations of men and manhood are being lowered every year. And so they say by the studies that they do that the attitudes and the lowering of the standards are working their way into every phase of life but especially into the home. So that now the man, the new man that is being portrayed by Hollywood and our culture in this day is a man who is so disconnected from what this book describes as a man that it is almost ridiculous. But this man has become the new norm and the consistency Listen to me. 
according to the statistics that are being studied right now, the consistency of the way that manhood is portrayed is working on the psyche of minds in America so much so that we have created a new norm for manhood. And we don't expect men to be any more than buffoons, crazy, unconcerned, disconnected, uninvolved, slackers, incompetent, lazy, brain dead. And so that's the, that's the man that our culture is presenting. And it is being portrayed in such a way that society is now accepting this new norm for what being a father is supposed to be. That's the man according to this world. But I read this scripture a few months ago and then God began to talk to me out of it because what I read in 2 Samuel and in many other places is the man not according to the world but a man according to God. And that's what I really want to talk to you for a few moments about this morning is the man according to God. David's mighty men were quite uh, a list of heroic characters. And as he went down the list and he recalled and he called some of them by name and he named their exploits, he talked about men who one man alone slew 800 men at one time, and another man who smote the Philistines until the Bible says that his sword claved to his hand, or another man by the name of Shammah stood in the midst of a pea patch and defended it for his family and for his future, and in doing so he brought great victory to God's people and then it lists this guy named Benaiah. And when you first read that word, it seems such a strange name to give to a child. But when I looked a little deeper, I found out that the meaning of that name had much to say about the man. He was named among David's mighty men. He was the son of Jehoiada, who was a priest. And he was the son of a valiant man. And he was noted for his courageous acts. He slew two lion-like men. And the Bible says that he went down in a pit on a snowy day and slew a lion. And then he faced an Egyptian who was a giant and literally went into that enemy's territory, took his weapon away from him and slew him with his own weapon. And he was also noted as being a man who was faithful. And the word honorable is used about him. His, he was more honorable than the 30. There was something about him, his character, his exploits, his deeds that set him above. And when David thought about him, he thought of him in a different aspect. And David thought so much of Benaiah that he made him the head of his bodyguards. The interesting thing about him is his name. And there is something to be said about your name. And if you carry the name Father, don't allow the culture that you live in in this present hour to define who you are. 
Let's go back to the book and let's let God define who we are and define what we ought to be in the hour in which we live. If you're a man, wear that name with honor and bring honor to that because God gave you the opportunity to bless the world because of who you are as a man. Benaiah. It simply means the God-built man. That's what Benaiah means, the God-built man. This man that had done so many great things. And when I read that, when I found, I've read this story for years. I never knew that's what his name meant. But when I read that and I started thinking, what does a God-built man look like? And I started going back through all of the things that, Benaiah faced and the challenges and, and all of the uh, circumstances that seemed to uh, gather against him and somehow he was able to come out on top of it all because he was a God-built man. God had put something into him. He had allowed God to put something into him. He was first and foremost a man of great courage. And he was a man who was undaunted by the things that he encountered. I want to tell you what America needs, but more than just America, what greater life needs are men who have the courage to face whatever has to be faced and not be swayed by the influences around them, but to stand for what God has given us the word to stand for. Benaiah was a man who faced things that seemed overwhelming, and yet he did it with courage, and he did it with a certain deal of tenacity. This is what I have learned about life, is that success is the reward of endeavor, not of accident. If a man succeeds in life, he succeeds not because of who his father was, but because of who he is. This man, the Bible says, was the son of a good man, a valiant man, but just because you are born into a good family does not mean you're a good man. You as an individual, as a man, have to decide who is going to influence my life, who's going to shape my thinking, who's going to shape my attitude, and who's going to shape my spirit so that when I go out into the world that I am representing what God designed in the beginning. And Benaiah said, you know what? I want God to be the one who shapes my mind and my thinking and my attitude and my spirit. And so Benaiah became the God-built man. Success is not the reward of those who just stumble into it, but it is the, it is the process or it is the path of those who follow a process. You don't have to have a good family to become a good man. Amen. Do you understand that? You you don't have to come from a good family to still be a good man. And you don't necessarily have uh, the the privilege of being a good man because you come from a good family. Somewhere in all of that, you have to decide 
who the influence of your life is going to be and what is going to shape you and make you what you are. And Benaiah, I don't know where, I guess in birth, somewhere along the line, he decided to live in to the name that his parents had given him. God had placed his hand on him in birth, but somewhere down the line, Benaiah had to yield to that himself. You don't have a good family by accident, men. You don't have a good home by accident. It is the result of men who have the courage to stand up and throw off the, 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 the norms of the culture in which you live and say, you know what, that's not the man God's looking for. This is the man that God's looking for. Finding our influence and the things that shape our life from the right place. Work develops things in us that nothing else will. And what I love about Benaiah was he was not afraid to face issues. He, he was not afraid to work. He was not afraid to fight. I, I am fearful of people who, <clears throat> I'd say people, of young men or men who are, are, have a, an aversion to work. I, I'm, I'm concerned about you. If, you. if you look for a way to get out of work, I'm going to tell you something about work. Work develop stuff in you that you don't even know is there. And until you work, you never discover them. They don't naturally come to the surface. They don't automatically show up. They come because you put your hand to the plow. They come because you get calluses on your hand. They come because you sweat and you work and you labor. And out of your inner being comes things that God put there that can only be found when you put your hand to the plow and work. Amen. He was a good man because he gave himself to God. He had a good father, but having a good father doesn't mean you're going to necessarily be a good man. He had to submit himself to what God had planned for his life. They say this, that there is dormant electrical energy enough to make a thunderstorm in a few raindrops. Think about that. In a few raindrops, that in those few drops, there is dormant energy that is strong enough to create a thunderstorm. And when God made you as a man, He put something in you. He put things in you that no one but God could have put there. And somehow you've got to bring yourself to the place where God can nurture those things. The potential that is within you is great. Listen to me, men. Listen to me, young men. Don't squander what God has given you on the frivolous things of this world. Amen. Amen. Somebody said amen. Amen. It was his difficulties that made him the man that he was. It was not his ease. It was the challenges that he faced. It were the things he had to fight, overcome, put down. What I, I like about him is the Bible speaks about lions two times in his life. Lion like men, and then he went down in a pit on a snowy day and slew a lion. A lion is a devourer. A lion is a spirit that comes to destroy. 
And what I like about Benaiah was he was not afraid to confront the things that came to destroy his family. And we need some men that have the courage and the backbone and the tenacity to stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to let that destroy my family or my home. Amen. It, in, it, it was in difficult time that he did all of this. It was not easy to be what he was, but he did it. It was his difficulties that gave him the chance for his promotion and elevation. And you're not going to get anywhere as a father or a man in life waiting for somebody to lift you up. You're going to have to find yourself doing the things God has given you to do and watch God do something with your life. Don't cry about the missed opportunities. Just get up and do what you can. What I like about Benaiah was he was a man who had courage to confront the daily assaults against his family and his life. He had courage that no matter what the circumstances were, whether it was a snowy day or a sunny day, if circumstances were ideal or they were less than perfect, he would still stand up and be the man God had called him to be. Courage that was not afraid of great odds. And I will tell you right now that the odds are against all of you men in this building here today. According to our culture, the odds are against you, but you can still be a man of God and you can still be a man made by God. You know what we need we need men born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of man, but born of God. That's the kind of men that we need. Born again men. Men who are rebirthed in a spiritual atmosphere that come to understand what God created me for and why He made me in the first place. Spiritual men whose foundation God has laid out of whom God is making strong and stalwart and heroic men because he has built them and founded them on his eternal rock. We need men whose foundation God has laid. We need men who are not afraid to face whatever issues come up in our day and not flinch. Amen. Stand up. God built men. Men who are not taking their cue from society as to what they are, but they take their cue from God. May God grant us that kind of pedigree today. God built. God nerved men. Amen. God nerved men. God strengthened men. God sustained men that no matter what happens in the culture, no matter what happens in the culture, they stand as a light to the world. Amen. I read of no one encouraging him to do it. He just did it. And sometimes in life you have to do that. You just have to be a man. We don't get to choose our circumstances or how life comes to us, but we do get to choose how we present ourselves to life as it comes to us. You don't get to choose how those things come, but I can choose how I respond to those things. And I just want to say to all of the men in this building, I'm not running. I'm not hiding. I may come to a point in my life where I am no longer given the freedom to say what I am in this pulpit right now, but I'll say it somewhere. Amen. 
We need men who can face things that are frightening but not be afraid. Men who can face the lions of this hour but not turn and run. We need men who can deal with the devil on his turf. Amen. You know, sometimes we're good church people, but we're not good people out there. It's like we walk around afraid to let anybody know who we are. In here, we shout and talk about what we are. But when we get out there, it's like we need men who will go into his territory and take that spear out of his hand and cut his head off right there in his own territory. That's what Benaiah did. He went to the Egyptian territory and took his own sword away from him and slew him with his own sword. Maybe we need to give the world back some of its medicine. Say, you know what? You may change the culture around me, but you're not changing me. You may change the philosophies of people around me, but you're not changing me. I read what I'm supposed to be. I've already heard what God said about me, and what God said about me is a whole lot better than what the world's saying about me. A God-built man. A God-built man is a man who does the best he can where he is with what he's got. And never cries about not having enough. Amen. Use what you've got. Amen. Somebody say, use what you've got. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Your success is still going to depend on whether you stand. It's not going to be good enough if your father stood or your grandfather stood or your great-grandfather stood. If you don't stand, it's not going to matter. So I'm asking some men in this building to stand and be counted in this hour. You can turn what appears to be a disaster into the making of your destiny if you understand who you are. You're a God-built man. Let's stand together. Reverend F.B. Meyer was being shown in England to a wonderful collection of chrysanthemums. Can you throw that up there? Give us a graphic of that. Beautiful flower. One of the most beautiful flowers that you can have in your garden. And he was being shown all of these beautiful chrysanthemums. That takes a lot to say that. Chrysanthemums. Man, I think you need to say that. Chrysanthemums. And the horticulturist decided to enlighten him. And he said, you know what? All of these glorious blooms all come from a common field daisy. You have a picture of a field daisy? That right there. That's where that other came from. The chrysanthemum is a product of that wild flower that grows in the fields. But over time and the working of men and a process of patient cultivation, they can take that and transform it into that. And when F.B. Meyer saw that, he said, wow. He said, the chrysanthemum is a field daisy 
plus man. And the guy said, that's right. It's a field daisy plus man. And then he turned and looked deeply into the man's eyes and he said, I want to tell you what a Christian is. A Christian is a man plus God. And when I look across this building today, I see men whose lives have been touched and influenced by a mighty hand. Don't let the world con you into thinking that you're what they're portraying right now. Be the man God called you to be. Have the courage to stand up when no one else stands up. And watch God transform just an ordinary life into something beautiful. All of our men, I applaud you today. I love you. I just, I thank you for being here. Amen. When I looked on this platform today and I saw these men singing, I saw my sweet father-in-law. I saw Brother Cheryl and I look out across the audience and I see Brother Long, Brother Casey, Brother Peden, some of the elders, Brother Ringo, good men, steady men, Brother Miller, men who have weathered storms, men who have gone through a lot in a lifetime, and they're still here. Brother Hodges, I, I see people who have gone through so much. Brother Cox, I look I, everywhere I look, I see another, another God-built man. Brother Frizzell, gone to the far reaches of the world in Thailand and done such a tremendous work for God. All of that came because somebody was willing to say yes to God. You know, it's one thing for people to call you something. It's another thing for you to live into what they call you. And I've been called father, but it's taken a lot of living to live into that. I've been called dad, but it's taken a lot to live into that. Men, don't be afraid of that challenge. Don't be afraid of that challenge. Amen. Lord, we love you today. We are so humbled by your grace and mercy. So thankful for the hand of God that's been upon this place today. For every man, for every young man, for every father who stands in this building today. God, I thank you for the mercies of the Lord that have been upon us and upon this place. I pray, God, that we will have men who will stand in this hour, men who are unafraid, men who are undaunted by the suggestions of this culture, men who are not taking their cue from the society they live in or from the Hollywood influence that seems to have more power over our world right now than anything. Let us take our cue from you. And a God-built man is a man who understands that inside of him is potential that's powerful and mighty. It can be used and prostituted for the wrong things, but if we understand who we are, we yield ourselves to the mighty hand of God that created us. He will nurture out of our lives 
those better things. God, I pray for these men today to strengthen them, that they will have a blessed day and every home will feel the peace of God in a wonderful, wonderful way. We ask you, Lord, for your blessings in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.